We're going to conclude our study of the book of Revelation. I know this is, may, maybe it's been helpful to you, maybe not, but if you have been tracking with us, we have actually read the entire book of Revelation out loud together, and I'm going to ask you to do that again this morning. Just listen, do not read it. Uh, you can if you want, but you'll be disobeying your pastor, and so we don't want you to do that. <laughs> you must obey. Uh, I'm asking you to listen because I think if you'll listen, uh, just let, let the pictures form in your mind. The book of Revelation is not a puzzle to be puzzled out, but it's a book of images and visions and pictures. So listen, and then when we get down into the text, you'll look at uh, the text. It's printed in your bulletin or uh, if you have your Bible with you. We even have Bibles in the back, by the way. If you don't want to bring a Bible every week, you can grab one on your way in. They're, they're out there in the for you. So now, hear the Word of God. I'm going to read uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 6. And He said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the For the churches, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share on the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. This is God's Word. Well, um, I have to tell you that this, uh, I've loved 
doing this study, <clears throat> but it has uh, been a, an awful lot of work. I, I spend a good deal of time preparing uh, the sermons, but I've never uh, had to spend the amount of time as I have with this book. And it's not just to give you the facts, to teach you what the book is about. I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, but to actually make it a sermon, to uh, have us look at it and, and see what is it saying and why is it saying what it's saying and uh, who is it showing us, who is it revealing. The book is called Revelation. It is revealing something. So that's been the goal and that's what uh, we're going to close uh, with today. So let me take a sip of water. And now, don't anybody uh, get offended if I don't hug you today? I don't want to give you my cold. Well, if I do hug you, it's because I don't like you, and I want you to get the cold. So I will, uh, this is, you can just kind of remember that if you, okay. So, <laughs> all right, imagine what your life would be. Imagine what it would be if you knew the future. Don't we all wish for that? I think every culture in the world, every single one, uh, going back to time immemorial, the, from, from whenever we climbed out of our trees and got rid of our tails and started walking and speaking and being normal people, right? Didn't like that, part the tails? All right. Um, <laughs> all right, so listen. So f- f- whenever people started to be people, They have wanted to know the future, wanted to be able to look into the future. And we have movies and we have literature. I mean, it's just replete with this idea. Man, if I could just know the future, we want to know the future because then we wouldn't be what? We wouldn't be afraid. We wouldn't be anxious. Another thing, we could control it. And we could do what Biff did in Back to the Future Part 2. See, I I never know if anybody in here is going to say, I watch movies. Do any of you ever watch movies? Any of you seen Back to the Future? I love Back to the Future. I've watched it a thousand times because it was, my kids watched it. And uh, I loved it. And I like the second one because what happens, the bad guy, the bully in Back to the Future 2, Biff, he gets in the time machine, he goes back in time, he finds out how to get, and he takes... The, an almanac of uh, sports, who's the, you know, sports almanac of who wins sporting events. And he goes and gives it to his younger self, who's an idiot and a bully. He gives it to young Biff. And so th- back to the future, the second one is about how Biff changes the future because he starts betting. He knows who's going to win every sporting event. So he bets and he makes millions and he becomes this rich person and the whole future is changed and Doc has to come get Marty and they got to go fix the future and get, make sure that the almanac doesn't get into Biff's hands. Imagine the power you would have as human beings if you knew the future. And you know what's remarkable? John has told us the future. We know it exactly. We know exactly what's going to happen. This is what He is showing us in these verses as He has throughout the book of Revelation. He has shown us what the future is. That it is certain, it's absolutely going to happen the way Jesus said, and it is going to happen soon. Soon. Look at verse 6, verses 7, 12, and verse 20. 
and, and verse 10, he, he says, it is soon going to happen. These things that I've said in this book are going to happen soon. I myself am coming soon. In Greek, it's an emphatic, and he says, I'm, not just I'm coming soon, I myself am coming soon. He repeats it three times. Very important in these few verses. And then finally, he says, the time is near. What he's told us, folks, and this is, this is so profound, and I know maybe you're not connecting the dots, but let me help you for just a minute. He has told us throughout the book of Revelation that the church in every single age is going to face everything that you have seen in this book. Everything. The plagues. The beast. The false prophet. The dragon. The harlot Babylon. They all were exposed at the cross of Jesus Christ and at the resurrection, the veil was pulled back on this world. And Jesus told us in this book, here is what is really going on in the world around you every single day. The book of Revelation was not meant for just 21st century people like it's all going to happen in just a very short little bit of time like you hear on TV, on Christian TV all the time. No, it's happening all the time. It is going on all the time. The beast is operating now, today. The false prophet is speaking his lies. The harlot, Babylon, is seducing us no matter where you live. And the dragon is behind it. The dragon, the great serpent that we saw in chapter 12 and again here at the end, these last few chapters. He is the one who is pulling the strings, if you will, of the beast, the false prophet, and the harlot, and all those who follow them and take their mark. It's not a literal mark, a tattoo. It's not a microchip that goes under your skin. It is what you think and what you do. That's why it's in your forehead or in your hands. It affects your heart and your actions. And it's going to come at you throughout your life and it's going to be there present in the life every age of the church. So I don't know how long the church is going to survive between the resurrection and the actual second coming of Jesus. But however long that is, we are going to expect to see this because He has told us the future. And He, re- he reiterates and re capitulates all of it here in these last few verses he kind of sums up if you will everything we should expect to see every day that we're alive as history is compressing and coming down to its final days and there will be a second coming there will be a final conclusion to history Jesus will physically come back to this world the heavens will truly roll back like a scroll whatever that means and he will transform purify this world with fire whatever that is it's not a conflagration like we would think of nuclear you know they say well nuclear or whatever no it's nothing like that it's going to be much much worse It's going to be a complete purification, a complete renewal of everything. And this is something that we know. In other words, we have the inside scoop. We know the future better than a sports almanac. 
So what do we see? Look at verses 11 and 12. What he says and what he has said throughout the book, let me remind you, each one of these is expanded on in the book itself, and we went to agonizing lengths to explain it during these past 20-some weeks of looking at the book of Revelation. He talks about, in verse 11 and 12, he talks about the righteousness of God when he makes this very strange statement. He says, let the evildoer still do evil. Let the filthy still be filthy. The righteous still do right. The holy still be holy. I am coming soon. My recompense is with me to repay each for what he has done. So what he's saying is, he is pronouncing a judgment on both those people who are doing evil, and he's pronouncing judgment on those who are listening and obeying the Lamb. And he's saying, this judgment is certain, and this judgment is sure. Let it be. Let it be. So the righteousness of God, His justice, His judgment on evildoers, and His reward of those who are following Him is being uh, summarized and explained. You will know the future. When you have something terrible happen to you, 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 uh, some unjust thing, maybe you went away on vacation and came back and your house was broken into. And you think, oh my goodness, my house is broken into and they took all my stuff and, and I don't have anything anymore. And Boy, I really want to catch them. Nothing wrong with that. It's good. Hopefully they do catch them. But if they don't catch them, you can be left with bitterness and anger. And, wow, I, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that, that uh, blender that I had was the best blender ever. And I, you know, I could never get another blender like that. And you let that bitterness work down into your life. Now I'm using a trite example. But imagine... But Christianity, you, you, have, you know the future. You know that the blender is going to get consumed in some trash heap somewhere, someday. But you will be saved. And you're going to get a better blender. That the new creation, these are tried examples, but think about it. Whatever you've lost, whatever pain you've suffered, whatever hurts you've endured in this life, He's telling you, here's the future. Wouldn't you love to know why some things happen to you? Wouldn't you love to know? Wouldn't you like to know how come I got cancer? How come my child was taken from me? How come my marriage fell apart? Why was I abused as a child? Why did I lose my career? Why, why, why? He's telling you right here, the future is certain. I am coming soon. All things will be made right. And on the basis of that, listen, this is so important. On the basis of that, what does it do to your present? Think about it for a moment. That every tear He has promised, we talked about it last week, He promises that He Himself will wipe away every tear in your eye. No more pain. No more death. No more heartache. No more broken relationships. No more kids that have gone off the rails. No more jobs lost. No more poverty. No more injustice. No more evil. What does that mean? What does that do to you now? You know the future. What would that do to you? 
It would make you more loving, more humble, more kind, more generous, more spacious. You wouldn't want to avenge yourself. You'd have room. There'd be room in your life for vengeance, for God to take vengeance, not you. There would be room in your life not to be afraid because they said you've got cancer and you're going to die. There would be space there for you to weep, to lament the loss of your health, to know that yes, I'm going to die, my family's going to live without me, all of that. There'd be space for you to lament, but a deep current of joy and hopefulness because you know the future. It's not wishful thinking. I hope it's going to happen. No, you would know. You have it in your hand. It's a book. It's like the sports almanac. You can go and put your money down that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl someday. But you would know the day. It's certain. And he's saying that God will do what is right. Nobody is going into the lake of fire that doesn't deserve it. Nobody is going to get to heaven that is not marked with the mark of the Lamb. He will do what is right. And we can trust Him. And it can make our lives now completely different. doesn't mean that you go around happy and all. In fact, I would say without this you can't even grieve properly. Grief will take you down instead of just being grief and lament and sorrow over a loss. But don't you know people that have been crushed by it to where they can't ever recover? Wow. Then what do you do? Okay. The next thing we see is we see God's blessing, His benediction. Look at verse 7 and verse 14. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life and enter the city by its gates. In other words, there's welcome. There is a benediction, two benedictions that are pronounced in these few verses and they are two of seven. There are seven benedictions, like the number seven is used a lot in the book of Revelation. It means complete, perfect, robust, full, blessing. Now I know we looked at some horrific images in the book of Revelation and they are horrific and graphic and disturbing images. They are meant to be. They're meant to shock the reader and say, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Wow, they're meant to interrupt you in that way. But it may surprise you to know that, the, that if you were reading the book of Revelation, if you were listening and you were listening to what I was saying each week, with every one of those, there comes a, an amazing picture of redemption. Yes, you have some horrible pictures of judgment, but you also have some amazing Overwhelming pictures of redemption, blessing, benediction, a blessedness for anyone who will follow the Lamb. Will you follow the Lamb? Especially, now listen, especially the book of Revelation is saying, will you follow the Lamb especially when things are very, very bad? Because it's easy to be a Christian when you live in America. I mean, we are a privileged class in America. Christians are. 
There, were t- there was time in this country when a Roman Catholic could not run for public office. You know who the first Roman Catholic president of the United States was? John Kennedy. And he had to make a speech. And it's a very good one. I listened to it recently. He had to make a speech to reassure the people of the United States that the Pope was not going to pull his strings. There was a time when black people could not vote in this country. There were times when women, it was 1920 when you ladies got the vote. That was the end of democracy. (laughs) You know, you get the idea. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that happen in history where people are marginalized, people are oppressed. And what he's saying here is if you will follow me, especially in times of trouble, especially when persecution comes, if you will hold to me, what do we see in the entire book of Revelation? God preserving 144,000. God putting His mark. God sending witnesses. The church, 144,000, or the two witnesses. Another picture of the church proclaiming the good news of the gospel to the world. And he's saying, don't Give up. Persevere. Blessedness. You know the future. You are absolutely certain. I am coming soon. And I am bringing my reward with me. Do not fear. Trust me. Especially when things are going bad. Especially when there's Especially when your marriage is falling apart. Especially when you've got no money especially when you got fired because you did something with integrity because of Jesus wouldn't let you cheat. And so you did something right and your boss said, I told you to lie and do that. And you said, I can't. And you get fired. Especially then. Blessed are the ones that keep this words. Blessed are the ones that wash their robes. Another thing about the future that you know, absolutely, this is actually true that God has and is in the business of redemption. In fact, this just dawned on me a few weeks ago as I was finishing up my studies, that one of the overarching themes of the book of Revelation that we cannot pass up, even in the midst of all these visions of, you know, horrible visions of judgment, hailstones and blood and, uh, you know, is that the book of Revelation is shot through from beginning to end with the themes of love, mercy, and grace. Grace. And we see it here in verse 17. Look what he says. The Spirit, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let those who hear say, Come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Take the water of life without price. In other words, it costs you nothing. Not that it is without, not that it didn't cost somebody. It did cost someone. It cost the Lamb. The Lamb. It cost our Father who gave the Lamb. It cost the Holy Spirit who had to be present when, his, when, his, when, when Jesus Christ, his, the Lord of heaven and earth, the Holy Spirit had to watch that happen and be present. He was a witness. 
A witness to the sin and the horrors of this world. Think about it. But he still, even, even with all of that, here we are, set, we are told the Spirit and the Bride, the Spirit being Holy Spirit, the Bride being us, the church, we say come. The come is not to Lord Jesus. He's coming. The come is to people. Come to Him. All you that labor and are heavy laden, come, lay your burdens down. Find rest for your souls. The book of Revelation is a book of grace. Water, living water, without price, doesn't cost you. Just trust me. Trust me is all he's saying. And anyone who hears, that's us, say come. We are commissioned here, if you will, to share this good news. Do you have friends? Do you have relatives who are suffering, that are living under the the bondage, the slavery of sin? The beast has got them by the throat and he's choking them to death. Tell them, I know the one who can satisfy that thirst. You have longings in your soul that are unrequited. He's saying, come. Come. I will satisfy those deepest longings that you have. I can satisfy them. Anyone who's thirsty. Imagine knowing that that is true. That the river of life, living water, is yours now. What kind of life would you live for Jesus Christ? Would anything leave you unsatisfied? Would you ever be able to say, Oh, I have this hollow place in my life. And if I don't get this thing, I will be empty. Do you see what this does? This interrupts that kind of thinking. This comes in and it says, no, you don't need that thing. If you have it, it's fine, great, good for you. But if circumstances are such and you don't have that thing, find it in me. Ultimately, find it in me. In other words, if you are locked away in a concentration camp and you have nothing, everything is taken away from you. Can you live or will you want to die? Yeah, you may want to die. But if you have this, you will actually be able to, you'll be in chains in the stock, your head in the stock like this, and you're there, and you got nothing, and no hope of ever getting out, and so you decide to sing. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You know, start singing hymns. Do you see what drove the Apostle Paul? Do you see what kept the Apostle John, the Apostle Peter? Do you see what kept these people in victory even while they died? Do you see what held Jesus Christ? Do you read the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews? It says of our Lord, for the joy that was set before Him He endured the cross. What do you think Jesus was looking out out there? The joy that, what was the joy that was set before him? This. Being able to provide for you and me living water. You, 
saved, you washed, you cleansed, you his bride, his beloved. Do you see it? If that isn't what is driving you and moving your life now, Christianity is just a burden. I would be the first to say, give it up. Go find a better religion. But if we know the future, and if this is true, and I'm convinced it's true, I've tasted that living water sometimes, and I'm going to get a little drink of it in a minute when we have communion. I know it's true, and I'm going to base my life on this, and I'm never going to give up. I don't care what happens. Amen? Of course, amen. You know the future. And he concludes with this thunder. Verse 21, the end of the book. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amazing final word from God throughout the book of Revelation. Indeed, because the whole Bible is geared this way, the entire Scripture, it provides us with a witness, with a word that says, you know the future. Don't go bet money on who's going to win the World Series. Bet your life on me. Put it all down. That's what Jesus meant when He said, sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me. He was saying, go all in. I don't want part of you. I want all of you. I don't want a tithe of your money. I want all your money. I don't want, I'm not going to tithe my blood. I'm going to give all my blood. I want all of you. And the book of Revelation is demanding that you give it all to Him. Because you know the future. You're not doing a leap of faith into the dark. No! He's saying, look! Behold! I'm coming soon! It's absolutely certain. You have nothing to lose. Don't hold back. Why? He tells us, here's the future. You're in a cosmic battle. Yeah, life is going to be terrible sometimes. It's going to be awful. But underneath is this. Trust me. Yes, I am king already. Remember we talked about the already, the not yet. The inauguration, the continuation, and the consummation of the kingdom, the ICC. This is, this is what is the, the entire Scripture is built around this. Yes, the King has come. Yes, He has established His kingdom. Yes, He has shed His blood. It's absolutely certain. Yes, He is coming again soon. Bet your life on it. This is what He's telling this original audience in Asia Minor and what He's telling the church in every age is you can trust Me. You will experience suffering. You will have pain. You will have loss but I will wipe away every tear. In other words, none of it will extend beyond this. This is the Alpha. This is the Omega. Not a thing. Not a place. A person. That you can know now. That you can embrace now. That will be with you in your darkest and loneliest place that you can imagine in the darkest and deepest dungeon, He will be there with you then and He will be with you now and into eternity and forevermore He has promised He will never leave you. Do you see what knowing the future can do to you? It will transform who you are. 
and make you someone great. Great for those around you to the point where you even bless your enemies. Where you become the best husband, the best wife, the best child, the best citizen of the United States of America, the best soldier, the best doctor, the best baker, the best uh, 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 butcher, the best candlestick maker. That you are giving everything as a student, everything to your studies, that when people come to you and they need help, you empty your pockets for them. The generosity of your soul is wide. You're not touchy. You know, everything touches me and I'm not, don't get near me. That's why people don't come to church. Full of touchy people. There will be a final victory, final reckoning. And here's what he's asking. The book of Revelation, in fact, the whole Bible, is saying to you, will you trust me? I'm telling you the future. I'm showing it to you. Will you trust me? Hope you will. We're to measure every experience, all we know, everything we think, everything we feel. Our emotions have been redeemed. We should be feeling differently than we used to feel because we know the future. I know what's going to happen. I can be different now. I don't have to hold a grudge. I don't have to be unforgiving. I don't have to get my own way in every relationship. Do you see what it will do to us? And how do we do that? I have told you repeatedly, the only, there is only one way to do this, folks, and I'm telling you, I'm not going to pull any punches. It is all about who you see. What you see is one thing. Why you see it is another. But let me tell you, if you don't see, if it, there's not a who that you are looking. I'm not talking about God in some abstract. You could not in your wildest dreams imagine what God is. Really? And none of you have seen Holy Spirit. Nobody has seen Him. Why? He's invisible. You only see the effects like the wind. You know, Jesus used the example. He's like the wind. You can see the effects of Holy Spirit, but you don't see Him. But who have you seen? Who have you touched? Whose body and whose blood do you take into your, to your being every single week? Who were you able to put your hand into His side and into the prints of the nails in His hands? Who have you felt the embrace? Who? Jesus Christ, the only way that you can possibly understand the Father, Jesus said, is through Me. The only way you can ever get the Holy Spirit is if I send Him to you. And when He comes, He will show you Me. Jesus Christ is not an abstraction. He's a man who was also God. And He came. Look at verse 16. I am the root and descendant of David. I am the bright and morning star. And this is just one. I couldn't put them all in because I ran out of space in my Mac computer. It couldn't hold all that Jesus is. 
I am one like the Son of Man. I am clothed in a robe, a golden sash. The hairs of my head are like wool, the snow. My eyes are a flame of fire. My feet are burnished bronze. My voice is like many waters. In my right hand I hold the seven stars. And from my mouth a sharp two-edged sword. I have a face like the sun shining in its full strength. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, the end. The living one who died but is alive forevermore. I hold the seven stars. I walk among the lampstand. I am the one who knows you. I know your works. I know your hardship. I know your pain, your toil, your struggle. I am your bridegroom. I am your shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. I'm the worthy one. The lion of Judah. The lamb. Slain. Before the foundation of the world. Will you trust Him? Every Sunday, you have a choice. You have it during the week also. But every Sunday, folks, you have a choice that you can start today trusting Jesus again and again and again. If you've never done it in your life, today could be the first day. You can come to Jesus right now. He'll accept you completely. With all your junk. In fact, I would say, don't leave any of your junk. Don't leave your mess behind. You bring it. And see what He will do for you. Will you trust Him? And if you're a Christian, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, and you say, you know, um, I am trusting Him. Good. Trust Him again. Today. Put your trust in Him. Why? Because you know the future. He is coming soon. And He's coming for you. For good. For blessing. To wipe away those tears. Let's pray. Father, it's almost too much to take this in. How do we do it? How in the world can we do this? We must live in the present moment right now and do what we can at this moment and right now. I pray that all of us, all of us, will choose to trust you, to lay hold on you. Say no to the beast. Say no. His future has already been told. We know what's going to happen to him. He's going into the lake of fire. And so we can say no to him and yes to the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Help us. Strengthen us. Let goods and kindred go. Let everything go. This life also. The body they may kill, but your word abides forever. Help us. Save us and have mercy on us, O God, according to your amazing grace. Amen.